Somebody's always stopping by my office saying, hey, would you take this thing home to Megan? Because Megan collects stuff for work. It could be clothes, could be food, all kinds of stuff. So people stop by, hands full of go, bag, hey, will you take this home to Megan? And I always go, maybe. Not because I don't want to, but because I'm totally unreliable and I'll forget. So I'm like, okay, I'll take it home. But here's the thing. You have to put it right in the doorway where I will trip over it on the way out. Because if I don't have to trip over it on the way out, I will forget it. And even sometimes I have literally walked over stuff and forgotten to bring it home. So now I have a backup system. In addition to putting something in the doorway where I have to trip over it, I get a post-it note. And I write on the post-it note, don't forget to take this thing. And then I take the post-it note and I put it on my finger and I carry it around for me with me for the rest of the day. And this is how I have learned how not to forget to take things home to my wife because otherwise I forget, I get distracted. And one of the biggest themes in the whole Bible is for us to not forget. The Bible talks about how important it is for us to remember. And the reason that it wants us to remember is because it builds up our faith when we can recall what God has done for us. And we have a tendency to forget. We get distracted. So it's a huge theme of the Old Testament. One of the things that I like about starting a new year is many of you over the past 15 years that I've challenged you have taken up reading the Bible through in a year. So I know a bunch of you are gonna do that again. Maybe you haven't done that before. Maybe it's the first time that you've heard the challenge. So here's my challenge to you. Read the Bible through in a year. It contains stuff that'll blow your mind. You won't believe what's actually in there. And one of the things that you'll discover as you read through the Old Testament is how often it says to remember. And you'll discover this yourself because you'll be reading along, particularly like through the first five books of the Bible, the, the historical stuff, and God will do something absolutely amazing for people. And then you turn the page and they're like, God who? So that's why the Bible is always telling us to remember. And remember is huge in the passage that we're gonna look at today out of Joshua 4. I know you're all used to turning to Matthew, but we're gonna have to break that habit now. We're in Joshua 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over by the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they're there to this day. So context, what's, what's going on with this story? So this is actually towards the tail end of the whole Exodus story. 
when God was delivering his people up out of slavery in Egypt. They come out of Egypt, they wander around the Sinai Desert for 40 years, and now they're kind of coming up through modern-day Jordan. And that's when they're going to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. So as they have been coming up out of Egypt, there's kind of been some fits and starts. There's been some periods where they have followed God closely and obeyed God, and that led to blessings. And then there was a number of times where they got irritable or hangry or whatever, or just decided that they were bored and took things into their own hands, and it didn't work out so well. And so they have gotten to this point where they have sort of learned if we trust God, good things happen. If we don't trust God, well, then it's kind of up in the air. So that's coming to play. And then Moses has recently died. Moses was, of course, you know, Moses. And, but for some reason, God chose not to let him be the one that actually led the people into the land of Israel, the promised land. He chooses Joshua to do this instead. Well, I don't know if any of you have ever followed a legend at a job or something like that. I have several times. And it's kind of hard because the people tend to look at you as like, we knew the previous guy, but who are you? And are you up to the task? So they've got this new leader. And so there's a couple, some trust issues that are going on. I mean, this is a big thing now. We're going into the land of Israel. Can we trust this guy? So lots going on. And there they are standing on the bank of the Jordan River. And there is one last barrier until they actually get into the promised land. And it's the Jordan River at flood stage. Now, don't think of the Jordan River as being like the Columbia River or the Missouri or the Mississippi. It's not that big of a river, but it's not a creek either. So it presents an obstacle and it's at flood stage. So it's not going to be easy to get half a million people and all their cattle and livestock across this thing. You still have to get across it. And so they come across the Jordan and when they get across, the way that they do it is the priests bring the Ark of the Covenant, the, the box that contains relics that reminds them of God's presence with them, into the middle of the Jordan. And when they step into the river, God stops the river. And it actually piles up upstream so that the people can cross on dry land. And the, the priests stand in the middle of the river and all of the people go by and they cross into Israel. And when they get across, Josh, Joshua calls for 12 men, one from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, to go back into the water and take out a rock that they have to carry on their shoulders. So it's not rock, it's probably rock. It's a pretty decent sized rock to take it out of the river and to pile it up on the side of the river. And that's the story. So that's a little strange. What's the deal with the stones? What exactly is happening? What's going on? Well, the first thing to think about is that we're on a journey. The people of God are going someplace. They're going to the promised land. So God has promised. He heard the cry when they were in slavery, and he is leading them up through the exodus into the promised land. So this is the journey that they're on. But this story of the exodus is also prefigures a later story because in many ways, Jesus is the new Joshua. It's actually even the same name. 
And so the people of God are being led not by Joshua into the promised land this time, they're being led by Jesus into the new promised land, which is when heaven comes back to earth and everything is recreated and everything's returned to God and everything is the way that it's supposed to be. So this is metaphor as well as being literal. It's literally them taking the promised land being led through by Joshua, but we also are on a journey with Jesus until we get to the final promised land. So we're going someplace with God as a people. We're also going someplace as individuals. God's taking you on a journey too. That's actually one of the reasons why an early covenant question was, how is your walk? The implication is you and Jesus are going someplace. It wasn't how sitting around going for you, which is you know what most of us do with our Christian lives. But the idea is that Jesus is actually taking us someplace. There's supposed to be movement in our lives. Every day, God has something for you. It might be personal growth through devotions. It might be an opportunity to serve somebody. It might be paying attention to the people that are around you and being kind or being an example of doing the right thing. God is always taking you somewhere. And that means that we need to follow the leading of God, just as the people did. They're at the crossroads. They have to cross the Jordan River. God had a way for them to do it. They needed to do it God's way, and it worked. Now, we think of looking for the will of God or following God's leading at major crossroads, big events in life. But my observation would be, that the major crossroads of life tend to take care of themselves if we're seeking to follow God on a daily basis. It's sort of daily getting into the groove of asking what God is doing and being available to God on the daily stuff. When the big stuff comes along, we're already positioned to have a pretty decent idea of what direction God has for us. But even if I don't know what the exact next step for you is, particularly if you're at a major crossroad in your life, there's some things that I know for sure. Every day, I know for sure that God is developing my character and that his purpose is to make me more like Jesus. And that really is the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is not really to take me to heaven. The ultimate goal is to make me more like Jesus and then I'll be fitted for heaven. So whatever I need to, to do to become more like Jesus, that's God's will for my life today and every day. And I also know that God is using me for his plans and purposes, and you too. Now, what I've noticed is that people tend to divide themselves into two categories, the people who can and the people who can't. And once they divide themselves into those categories, they pretty much stay in their own lane. So God sends opportunities our way, and some people are like, here's all the reasons why I can't do that. And other people are like, here's the reasons why I can. God's using you for his plan and purpose, and if you're available on a daily basis when the big stuff comes down the pike, you'll be ready. But it will always require an active faith. In this story, not only did they have to step into the water the first place, I mean, that maybe, I don't know how far up the, the river bed the water was backed up. Maybe they could see it, maybe they couldn't, I don't know. But if I came to a river and it was dry and it should have had water in it, I would be wondering, is the water coming back? Um, so not only did they have to step into the water the first time, 
But then they had to go back in. And I would, I'd be like, phew, we made it through. And then Joshua was like, yeah, but now go back into the center of the river and pick something up, up heavy and bring it back. So you had to go in, you had to grab the rock, you had to bring it out. And I can hear people, well, it'll be slippery, it'll be muddy, the rock will be heavy, I have weak ankles, I can't do that, right? And the other people are gonna be like, all right, get out of the way, I'll do it. Because they knew that God had brought the water, held the water back in the first place, and they believed that God could hold it back again. So it's gonna require an act of faith. And then, this is a major point of the story, when God has done something in your life, when you've, when you've sought God's will and you followed God's way and you stepped out in faith, preserve the memory and tell the story. Because there's several temptations. One temptation will be that it was all about you. Now, yes, you're good. And there's no substitution for hard work and focus. But there comes a point where other factors come into play, like the team that worked with you or the resources that were at your disposal that maybe not everybody had, or honestly, just dumb luck, and the providence of God. Uh, we've got this lady in our neighborhood who has a beautiful yard. She works so hard at it, it is magnificent. Even this time of year, her garden looks great. And I don't even know if she's a person of faith. I think there's something there in her background because I know her family a little bit. And every time I stop and talk to her about her yard, she always says, all of this is God. I plant, I trim, but the fact that it happens is God. And I love that attitude. She reminds herself that it's not about her amazing gardening abilities, even though she has them that mostly the success is because God made stuff like this to grow. So the temptation will always be when you've done something successful that it was because you are that amazingly awesome. And remembering that it was actually God will help you move forward. The other temptation is to forget what God can do and forget they did and forget we do too. So here they are up against this huge obstacle how are you going to get all these people across the river while it's at flood stage? You know a bunch of people are standing there going, it can't be done. But God could do it. And that's what they needed to remember. Because they were going to come up against any number of challenges as it actually took control of the land. But remembering that God had done this really difficult thing once helped them to be motivated to believe that God could do it again. And that happens in our lives too. When we come up against insurmountable objects, you know, to remember that God was present, that God helped, that will make it easier to say, if I've seen God stop the water once, it's gonna be a whole lot easier for me to believe that God can do it again. We need to remember the amazing things that God can do, even if we can't. Now, the name of this place that they went to was called Gilgal, and it becomes very important for several reasons in the Old Testament. A number of things happened there. Samuel the prophet um, judges from Gilgal. Saul, the first king, was anointed at Gilgal. And I think the reason that that happens was because people remembered that this was a place where God was at work. And I think that was particularly 
present in Samuel's mind because there's this almost parallel story in 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12, where the Israelites, again, fits and starts. Some days they follow God, other days they take things into their own hands. Kind of going through a period where they took things into their own hands and they suffered tremendous defeats. They came back, they repent, God gives them the victory, and Samuel has them set up one big rock. And you know the name of this rock because we sing it in the hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Samuel raises a rock and calls it Ebenezer, the rock of help, and says, we're going to remember this place because it's God who brought us this far. And I think Samuel had the memory of God the first time bringing them through. And now they've returned and God is leading them again. And so Samuel puts up another rock to remind them that it was God who helped them. And then we need to remember to tell the story. I mean, tell the story to your kids. Do your kids, your grandkids know why you're following Jesus? And don't give them a lecture on the ontological existence of the Trinity, which when you understood it, finally convinced you to follow Jesus. It's not gonna help anybody. Tell them a story from your life about when God made a difference or gave you strength or provided just what you needed just when you needed it. Or tell the story of the person you would have been if you hadn't met Jesus. You can do this if you're a junior in high school or if you're 94 years old because everyone sees what their peers are doing right now and can say, there but for the grace of God, go I. Remember the story because we forget the story at our own peril. So what does that mean for us today? Well, it's the end of 2023. And I think the end of the year is a great time to take stock. Maybe as you look back, you'll be like, what a year. It was a miracle. I made it through 2023. I'm so grateful to God for his help. Or maybe you're going, what a year. I got through 2023 and it was amazing. But remember the blessings of God throughout the year. And some of you will be like, really? It's just sort of a blur. So to help us, remember where we've been and to remember what God has done. Um, you can do this at home, but in the worship services, we're gonna have rocks that people can pick up. And I would encourage you after you listen to the sermon to go out into your yard and pick up a rock and do the, do the same thing. I want you to pick up a rock. It doesn't have to be one you can carry on your shoulder, but it should be decent size so you know it's there. And here's some of the things that you might wanna think about as you look back over the year. Where did God sustain you? when you didn't think you could go on? Where did God give you the courage to take up an unpopular stand and do what was right? Where did you ex experience the blessing of God? And oftentimes we interpret that as financial success, but maybe it was while you were serving or giving or when someone did something for you. When did you experience God's blessing this year? Grab a stone and remember those things. When you're tempted to feel alone, Go back and look at the stone and remember times where God was present with you. Where did you see God at work? What things did you pray for? What stupid mistakes were you saved from making? What were the blessings in your life? Did you have a place to belong? Do you have people that care about you? Do you have an opportunity to serve this year? Remember those things. And some of the things that I would like us to remember from this year as a church was what we learned from studying the book of Matthew for most of the year. 
we learned about Jesus. We learned what Jesus actually said in his own words. We discovered what Jesus' priorities are. We discovered that he was quite serious about us taking the Sermon on the Mount literally. We learned that the church is a countercultural movement whose members belong to a different kingdom that they're actively living into with the choices that they make. We learned what the future holds and that it's good and that God is calling us into that. So remember those things because everything we learned in the Gospel of Matthew this year will be very handy for 2024 if we remember it because it's an election year and we're going to hear all sorts of competing claims. And so I preached those sermons because I really wanted to make sure that we all heard and would hear the voice of Jesus among all the other voices. So if you're conservative, make sure you're conserving the right things according to the will of God. If you're progressive, take stock of where you're progressing to according to the will of God. Remember the story. Remember who Jesus is. Remember what God is doing. So grab a rock and use it as a reminder of what you learned in the Gospel of Matthew. This is such a rich passage, and my favorite line in the whole passage is the last one, and they are there to this day, which means that the people of God took Joshua seriously. They put the rocks up, they maintained them, they walked by them, they told the story, and that made the difference in their lives. They did it, and we have the opportunity to do that too. So let me ask you three questions. Number one, where do you have trouble believing God is at work? Number two, where did you see God at work in 2023? And how will that help you move forward in 2024? Hi, thanks for watching. The people of Harbor Covenant Church really want you to know the love that God has for you, want to grow with you in faith, and want to serve alongside you, not only to help others do the same, but also to make our families and our communities better. If that sounds like something that you can get on board with, then like, follow, and drop us a comment in the video. Watch some more videos on our channel or come visit us on Sunday. You can find out more about Harbor Covenant Church at harborcove.church.